0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. Happy Pentecost. I'm going to say it again. I might say it again. I love Today. Um lately, lately, I've been on these, some of these topics. We've been talking about um, our, our union with Jesus Christ and how he has fused us into union with himself. And that really is everything and living for, for Christ in this kingdom. Um, we've been talking about the river of living water. And let me tell you, the water levels have been rising and God is moving and it's increasing. Amen. You guys with me on that? And we talked about the new wine ecstasies and how the Holy Spirit wants to just give us everything that God has for us. And we need to let go and let him, let him just overtake us. And you never know what might happen, but it's going to be good. And the Lord, you know, I just want to say this, that um, people who, who do alcohol and drugs and different things to try to get a fix, like that is just the devil's false version of what God's real thing is. And so he, he wants to give us the living, the abundant life that overflows and exhilarates. And, and sometimes it comes on you so strong, you might be feeling some of those effects, except it's the real thing. The other stuff is counterfeit, amen? And then last week, we talked about the baptism in water, and we baptized 10 people. Come on, that was amazing, stoked about it. Yeah, and we're just believing that that's just going to be so impactful on their, the rest of their lives. So, so thankful for that. But today is Pentecost, and I'm excited about today. I have some powerful things I want to share with you, and and some of it might not be what you're expecting. But don't worry about that, all right, because because it's going to be powerful. I want to tell you guys a story, and this is one of my favorite testimonies of somebody who I know personally. Um, I want to share this with you. I have a friend up in northern Indiana named Robert Riegsicker, who is a, he's a Mennonite. He's been raised in Mennonite culture and religion, um, but, but I want to tell you that when, when you think of the Amish and Mennonite and you think about religious bondage, that's not this dude, all right? He has found the grace of God and is walking in freedom and in the Holy Spirit. And so, a little bit of and I met him. I met him back in in August of 2012. So, and this is when he actually told me the story. I called him this past Friday just so I could hear the story all over again and just get refreshed. And I'm stoked about this story. You guys better get excited about it because <clears throat> there's good stuff for you in it. Uh, a little backstory on Robert. Um, I don't. I don't know how old he is. I'm gonna guess he's probably around his early 60s, maybe. But but he was raised in a in a Mennonite family. Um, had he, there was five siblings in his family, and his parents kind of had a rough start with family. Um, the dad actually grew up Amish, and then he became Mennonite. So he's kind of working his way towards freedom. <laughs> but uh, but. Uh, but he got his he got his girlfriend, which is the his, his soon wife, right? Pregnant out of wedlock, and so they had to get married quickly, um, and then and then they had five kids, I believe, in no more than five years. So pretty much, he kept his wife pretty busy in more ways than one. Um, and so, but but Robert told me that that probably that could have really influenced a lot of pressure that he had going into having a family along with just brokenness and stuff. But he was just explaining to me that, that his dad um, would actually beat the kids pretty regularly. So the kids grew up in an environment where there wasn't that, that love that you need to have in a, in a home, right? Um, and so, and, and Robert was able to, he was able to find his way through it with grace. But his youngest brother, whose name is Rodney, um, I'm, I'm curious what the other names are. They all probably start with R-O somehow or another, Robert, and then Rodney. Uh, his youngest brother, um, he, he got beat and everything, and, and he did not know how to cope well with it. And so he just built up a lot of anger and, and offense and hardness of heart and started becoming uh, deceitful and stuff. He had anger, bitterness. And, and so eventually, the way that he found to cope with the pain was alcohol. And so eventually, he, he became addicted to alcohol. So he's an alcoholic for many years. And, and Robert, the, my friend, um, and his wife, Lily, they, they were at one point were living up in Ontario doing ministry. But their compassion for his younger brother was so strong that they felt like God wanted them to move back to northern Indiana so that they could be present in his life and just try to, try to be a support and a minister to him and hoping that they'd see him get set free. Um, he, he wanted to stop drinking, but he was just so addicted he never could shake it. And so they would actually go on long fasts uh, where, the, where all they did was drink water. And, and he said they went on a 21-day fast just to pray and intercede for the brother for freedom. That's pretty powerful, huh? And so um, eventually Rodney, sorry, eventually Robert um, got to where he was closer to his dad and, had, and actually had a relationship with him. And, and so Robert would, he looked at his brother Rodney and he said, Rodney, the, this, the, the pain that you're carrying, you, you really need to get some healing in your heart with dad. You guys know this, right? That, that if you have brokenness and bitterness, like it can turn into sins and bondage and just horrible things. And often people won't get the breakthrough for the fruit problem if they don't get to the root problem, right? And so he wanted to try to see if the, he could go after the root problem and see if they could, they could get restoration in their relationship. And so uh, Robert talked to his dad about it um, just being honest with him, the way you raised him um, really influenced him to go this way. You guys need to work this stuff out. And so his dad, I think he wanted to, but he didn't believe that it could work out. And then, um, and, and then he talked to his brother and he, I think wanted to, but he didn't believe it could work out. So it, they didn't do anything for a while, but eventually he finally convinced them to come together, all right? And so he, he brought them together so that they could make peace. And the father um, asked him to forgive him. And then they hugged each other for a long time and just cried in each other's arms. That's powerful. I'm sure that was a very, uh, really needed moment in Rodney's life and probably the dad's life. Unfortunately, um, his bondage was still so strong that it didn't get broken. So he continued in his alcoholism. On On Friday night, January 22nd, 1993, um, Robert was with his brother that, that evening or the afternoon, and he, he actually worked for his brother, so they were supposed to get together the next day for work, and um, before they parted ways, Rodney, the younger brother, gave Robert, my friend, the names get confusing, I'm trying to, trying to keep it easy for you, he gave him a $20 bill and said, go take Lily out for dinner tonight. That was back when $20 could actually buy dinner for, right? So, and, and, then he, and then he said, I'll see you in the morning. So then the next morning at 5 a.m., Robert got a phone call from his dad because Rodney had left a, a restaurant, bar, where he had been drinking. And on his way home with his girlfriend, they were so close to his home he said it was about two stone throws away from his house. He hit a patch of black ice, slammed the brakes, and slid right into a tree and immediately killed both of them. Horrible. <clears throat> when, yeah, so um, Robert, my friend, okay, not the one that died. Um, he, he knew that Rodney had, had met God at some point in his life but he also knew that he had this drinking problem so he wasn't sure what to make of it and he really wanted him to be free from this. He didn't understand God's grace at this point in his Christian journey, okay? He thought it was impossible to be able to meet God under the influence of alcohol and still be saved. I do want to say that's a dangerous attempt, okay? But but he he just he just couldn't fathom that, and so Robert had a had a whole season of sadness, obviously grieving, and he he like so deep that he thought he's probably gonna have to lay down his ministry for a, a time, and uh, and so, and actually that was on Saturday morning that he found out. Brother died, and he was actually scheduled to preach the next Sunday or the next morning. And his topic—they'd been preaching on the names of God, and the name of God that he was supposed to speak on that Sunday morning is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God is my healer. <clears throat> and um, that got that sermon got put off a couple of weeks. Obviously, I mean, that, I I would have to put it off myself. Uh, but but he, he told me, little did I know that, that that teaching about God being my healer was for himself. Because he was about to go through some pain that he didn't foresee, right? <laughs> being of the Mennonite faith, um, if you could imagine the type of doctrine that they had, right? Um, pretty strict, pretty religious, pretty judgmental. And at his brother's funeral... People told Robert, he, they said, you know your brother's in hell now, right? Can you imagine, like, like, even if he was, can you imagine, like, that getting brought up to the sibling at the funeral? I mean, come on. Some people are more focused on their judgments than they are people's hearts. So Robert did not acknowledge that he knew that his brother was in hell, um, he, he said that he, he did not want to believe it. And he also said, who am I to, who are any of us to be the ones who judge where somebody ends up? Like, that's not our place, right? And so, <clears throat> but but he always had that in the back of his mind, like for the next several years, like like, where's my brother? Did he make it or not? He could be in hell, I don't know, right? There's no way to know these things. And so, he, but he he had to resolve in his heart, two things, he had to resolve in his heart that God is his healer, no matter what, he's Jehovah Rapha, and I'm not going to let that belief get shaken, and he also had to believe, or he also had to work it out in his heart to trust the Father with Rodney's situation, because it's out of his control, out of his knowing, right? I'm going to trust you, Father, no matter what. And, and not knowing what really happened, I gotta release this to you, Lord, so I can, so I can carry on. That's, that's good wisdom right there, okay? <clears throat> Almost exactly two years later, Rodney's father-in-law, Clarence, died of cancer. And, and, so, and he was a godly man, so they knew, they knew for sure, He was with Jesus, all right. And so, the day that they knew he was about to die, like the family came together in his room, and and they just told each other, "Daddy's going home to heaven today." And so they had and and they they had a beautiful time of worshiping with him before he passed. And when he passed, um, the way Robert worded their experience as a family, he said, "We walked him into heaven together." That's awesome. And uh, he said that, that when he passed, it was just so peaceful and the atmosphere was so heavenly, and it was so precious that even the grandkids, they said this, they said, "Now we are no longer afraid to die." That's awesome. <clears throat> and so his funeral, Clarence's funeral, was to the day, two years after Rodney's funeral. Isn't that crazy? Can you bless you? watch out you're gonna get blessed but can- bless you can you uh can you can you see the contrast of of the funerals though so his brother dies and 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 he dies in sin he dies in bondage he dies there's no way to know he never really got things right and and so it seems very clear that he could actually have made it to hell, but we don't know, it's, who are we to judge? But then the father-in-law, Clarence, who's a man of God, and the presence of the Lord was in the room when he passed, and they knew for sure they walked him to heaven. That's two entirely different kinds of experiences, right? And so um, <clears throat> let's, let's just put that part of the story now on the, on the side of the table here. We'll Come back to it. Two and a half years later, after Clarence died, which is four and a half years later after Rodney died, Robert and Lily, got they were associate pastor in their church, but also worked with the youth ministry, and so they had the opportunity to go take the youth up to Chicago to do some missions, some inner city missions, and they met a, a pastor up there in the projects of Chicago who was from Ghana, West Africa. And his name's Tony, Pastor Tony. And so they took the they took the youth there, made a great connection. Through that connection, um, the Lord opened a door for them to go with Pastor Tony on a missions trip to Ghana later in the summer. That's a quick decision, right? For a whole group of kids uh, to go on a missions trip, and they had to raise sixty thousand dollars really quick. And God miraculously provided the money. That's awesome. So in August of of 2000, sorry, of 1997, they went to Africa, to Ghana, to this missions trip. And their, their plan was to hop around to three different regions and then they'd do, like each region, they'd probably hit a few spots and they'd do crusades in each place. And the youth were gonna do skits and dances and songs and different things. And then he and Tony would take turns preaching at, in the evenings or the night sessions, all right? And so the first night, oh, and he, he said that, that he, he had three sermons prepared because if they're going to be hopping around and then they're taking turns, like you, he can cycle through them, right? And so, but, but he said that when they got there and the, they realized how dark it was and the lighting on them was really poor, they couldn't even read his notes. So he said we had to lean into the Holy Spirit. Can you believe that? Lean into the Holy Spirit on a missions trip. <laughs> if you've never been on a missions trip. You'll find out one day how much you need that. So that night, um, he preached, and 20 to 30 people got saved that night. Hallelujah. That's awesome, right? The second night, even more people got saved. And then there was healings that broke out. He said that they, they went around with anointing oil and anointed people on their head for healing. This is a Mennonite, dude. You, you hear me? A Mennonite. All right. And he said there's a, a village crippled lady that was there who was probably around 40 years old and she she was crippled and she had to, she, she didn't even have crutches. She had a like a crooked stick that she'd walk with and she'd like wobble on that thing. And everybody knew her, but, and he anointed her with oil. And after he did that, she screamed and shouted, I'm healed! And everybody stopped what they were doing, and they started clapping and cheering, and that woman threw her stick down, and she started jumping, and then she started dancing. And, and it was amazing, and, and God just started moving around the place, and, and he looked over, and he saw his youth were crying, and he's like, why are they crying? And his wife said, well, they've never seen a miracle before. So they were moved, and it was a really a powerful move of God. And so Robert and, and Tony, did I say Tony? Yes, Tony, thank you. I don't know Tony. <clears throat> so they were going to be taking turns preaching, right? But every night, right before the service would start, Tony would lean over to Robert and he'd say, the Lord just told me you're preaching tonight. And he did that five nights in a row. He was getting nervous about having three sermons, and then he eventually, after a few nights of it, he said, I, "I thought we were sharing this thing together, but then he started realizing that God was moving and it was God's plan, right? So, uh, but but the results everywhere they're going, people were getting saved. Each of the three locations, a church got planted. Come on, guys, that's a big deal. He said that everywhere they went, there's spiritual warfare." But God broke through, and people got set free, and he moved in great power through a Mennonite. <laughs> it's amazing. So on the last location, they were, they were getting ready to get on a bus to go, and it was about a two-hour drive uh, in the bus. And they were supposed to get there at 2 o'clock. And, and before the bus got to their hotel, Tony looked at, at Robert, and he said, Tonight, the Lord told me, I'm going to preach. And he said, Well, it's about time. <laughs> but the so they were they had to get on the bus. They need to be there around six. It's a two-hour drive. And so they needed to leave around four o'clock. And but the bus did not show up at four o'clock. And then the bus didn't show up at five o'clock. And then the bus didn't show up at six o'clock. And then maybe maybe it was a little after six the bus finally came. They learned that it had broken down. So, awesome. Now it's finally there, but guess what? It got there about the time they were supposed to arrive, right? So that's crazy. So they travel along on that long drive, and, and it's getting dark because it gets dark there at 6, he says. So it was dark after they are driving for a while, and they had to stop the bus because there was somebody out in the middle of the road waving a flashlight at them to stop them. And then, and then when they stopped, the guy came... And he said, "The bridge is broken in front of you. You cannot cross the river." So they had to like turn that bus around to go the other way, and and they were trying to get work through the turnarounds and stuff. And and uh, Robert asked Tony, "Oh, it started raining, drizzling a little bit too at that time." But but he asked Tony, or he asked Tony, "What do we do?" And and Tony said, "Well, the devil doesn't want us to have a service. God wants us to have a service." So we're gonna pray. And so Robert asked all the the youth to start praying together. And and so finally the bus got turned around and then they had another delay. Then they turned around again. And then they finally got to the area that they're supposed to be, but the driver was lost. So he didn't know actually like where exactly he was supposed to go. So he parked the bus and he went to this public phone to make a phone call back to the hotel, you know, way back there, to, to try to tell him we're lost and we don't know where we're supposed to go, and while he's on the phone, this lady from the village walks up to him, taps him on the shoulder, overheard him, and she said, I know where to take you, and so they let her on the bus, and they, and she led them to the place, okay, so by the time they got there, it was 11 p.m., <laughs> I'm sorry but you guys would already be in bed by this time. <laughs> it was dark obviously and it was sprinkling and and they just got there and they're like I don't know what's going to happen but, but we 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 stayed the course, right? So they get off the bus and and somebody turns a generator on and all of a sudden lights come on and they were shocked there was over 200 people that was waiting. They were sitting there waiting for them in the dark. We need to be like those people. I'm telling you. That's, that's like diligence and dedication and hunger for the Lord. Amen? But, but they, were, they were shocked because they were supposed to get there at 6, and it's 11, and they were there in the rain, in the dark, in the mud, waiting for them. And so as they were getting off the bus... And to prepare for their program, Tony leans over to Robert, and he said, Pastor Robert, God just told me you're supposed to preach tonight. (laughs) He said his his heart somersaulted. He started to pray, God, I haven't even been thinking of a message. What do you want me to say tonight? And so as they're getting things ready, uh, and there's that limited light out there, and he said that he walked to the edge of where the light extended and then passed that into the pitch dark outside of that light so he could go pray for a little bit and and he said he he looked up to heaven his glasses are starting to mist over right because it's drizzling And, and he started crying out to god And he said god i want to see you i want to see you i want to know lord what do you want me to preach to these people And he said his mind was on that path he was on and just trying to focus on what to preach, but he said all of a sudden something happened.
1: Huh? No. Nice guess. He
0: said immediately it felt as if God came and grabbed him and took his body and lifted him into heaven. Like literally. Full on in heaven. Like he, he's, he could see, he could smell, he could hear, he could feel everything. He was there. And he actually said it was so real to him that he wondered if people who, if they would have went to where he was at in the dark area, if they could have found him in the body or not. Like he, he didn't, you know how Paul in Second Corinthians 12, it talks about. Uh, himself going to heaven in paradise and he said I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body but it was like so real right that's exactly what happened to him and he said it was a beautiful sight duh (laughs) heaven he said "Heaven's so amazing and the the colors are brighter you can imagine more vivid than you can imagine they're indescribable and and the grass was greener than anything we've ever seen I'm sure they probably hired lawn pride or something better than them but he said there's a huge group of people worshiping God and and he said that I mean like a huge amount of people worshiping he said there are people from every nation there and they all had white robes on they were lifting their hands worshiping and dancing to the Lord and he said he was pretty sure that the throne of God was over on the other side of them and and he said it was interesting because they weren't worshiping God with like the like the, the Western um, style of worship that we do over here, they were like letting their they're letting themselves go, and they're 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 worshiping African style. That's pretty crazy. Probably the Lord let him experience that being in Africa, right? But as he and so he he saw those people, and he started walking towards them, and as he's walking towards them, two men left the crowd and started walking to him. And they got to him and the first one he realized was his father-in-law, Clarence. Who died two and a half years before this. And they embraced each other and loved each other. And he, he of course knew that Clarence was in heaven. But the other guy was Rodney. He said Rodney hugged him And he was happier than he's ever seen. He was free. He was free. He saw him in heaven free. Come on. And they embraced each other. And and after they they hung out for a while and and talked for a while, Rodney said to Robert, he said, I want to show you Jesus. You remember before this happened, he was in the dark and he started praying, I want to see you, God. Remember that? Now he's having this encounter in heaven, and, Rodney, and his Robert, sorry, Rodney tells Robert, "I want to show you Jesus." So they start walking towards that crowd, right? He's getting ready to take him, and, and so they were heading towards where the worshipers were and where he presumed that Jesus was, so he could see our Lord of Lords. Come on. you guys want to hear what
1: happened? I'll tell you next Sunday. Joking.
0: So he walks into the crowd to show him Jesus and then all of a sudden he's back in his body in the dirt, in the dark, in Africa
1: raining mud people what in the world? And, and like he... He was
0: on that ground and he was overwhelmed. He didn't actually see Jesus, but, but he was, was overwhelmed by the amazing grace of God that, that he saw his brother for, set free in heaven. And, that he's, and he started crying to the Lord and he said, he said, God, thank you for saving my brother. And God re- replied to him, he said, yes, I did save your brother, but I want you to be concerned with that same concern and love you had for your brother, for these people. I love them just like I love your brother. That's profound. Like he literally just went to heaven and had that encounter, and the Lord's like, yeah, you saw that, but let's focus on this. Whoa. Why would he do that? Because he wanted to connect the the value of that experience, tangible experience, to loving someone else, right? And so... And so he he was wondering why he would be told that he'd be shown Jesus, but he's now back on Earth. And while he's while he's thinking about all this stuff, right then someone came and tapped him on the shoulder, and and they said, "We're we're waiting for you." And he he had no idea how long he was in this encounter, but he said that he had no recollection of their entire worship service they had, so he missed the entire worship, and it was time for him to go preach. And this experience was so sacred to him. He, he, he couldn't share with anybody for weeks, okay, of what happened, but he said that he preached like he'd never preached before. <laughs> and he, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and he preached to them that the devil is a liar and he said, he said the devil wants to steal from you. He said if they want to renounce Satan and his works and accept the gift of salvation in Christ Jesus, they can come forward and then he, before he even could make the invitation, one man ran forward and slid in the mud to give his life to the Lord. And then he said over 100 people got saved that night. Come on. That's amazing. And, and then from that group of people that gave their lives to the Lord that night, they planted a church right then and there. That's crazy. And that church eventually planted another church. So awesome, and, and so in 2012, Robert was telling me this story, and after he told me that amazing story, he said, but I'm, I've been frustrated all these years since then, because I could never understand why would my brother tell me, I'm going to show you Jesus, and then I went back, and, and there I was in that thing, I never saw Jesus, but I felt the Holy Spirit on me, and I told Robert, I said, Robert, God showed you Jesus the way he wanted to show you Jesus, Because he showed you that you came back to Africa in the mud in that dark night. And this man slid in the mud to surrender his life to Jesus. Over 100 people were saved. A church was born. He did it to show you Jesus in the people. And Jesus was right there in the dirt. Jesus was right there saving all those people. Jesus was right there birthing a church bringing redemption to you as you saw your brother. Come on. That's amazing. And you might be wondering, why am I talking about this on Pentecost? Good question. I'm going to answer that question that you just asked me.
1: I want you to turn over to Acts chapter 1. I'm getting ready to dive into the Word, and I want you guys to remember how long those people waited because they were hungry, all right?
0: (laughs) Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, so he wrote that in the book of Luke, just so you know, until the day in which he was taken up, so he, he ascended on high, right, after he resurrected 40 days later, so... And he had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. I want to tell you guys that the world wants to tell us that Jesus did not resurrect, but there's plenty of proof that he did. Amen? And being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them. Everybody say assembled together. That's a powerful statement right there. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Hallelujah. He was setting them up for the greatest event of history. Amen. He didn't tell them how many days so they had no clue how long this was going to be. It could have been two days. Two days. It could have been 10 years. They, they actually did not know. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will, it, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everybody say power. power. Say it a little bit more powerful. Power. power. That's dunamis power. Dynamite power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus told them that they were going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the same power that Jesus walked in. And as they walk in the power of the Holy Ghost, everywhere they go, they're going to see Jesus show up, and they're going to witness Jesus showing up in their midst. And it's going to start where they're at, and it's going to go to the next place, and then the next place, and the next place, until it covers the globe. Come on. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, so Jesus was literally what what we think of as the rapture. That's what happened to Jesus right there, right? So they saw him fly into the sky, and and then hidden by the clouds. And and there's two men in white that appeared to them. Verse 11, it says, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room, everybody say upper room, Where they were staying, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. There's only one person missing, and that's the other Judas who committed suicide. So everybody's present, right? Verse 14 These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. I want you guys to repeat this after me. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. So it says these all. How many were there? All. Was anybody missing? Was anybody taking a vacation day on this one? No. Nobody was missing. They all, uh, it says they all continued. So were they, were they just kind of dipping in and out? Or were they continuing? Yes, they were continuing. I want to tell you that word continue is, is the Greek word proskarterio. I think is how you say it. I'm sure I just put Hick accent on it. <laughs> but it means, it, need, it means to be devoted, to persist, to be earnest towards, to persevere, to be constantly, to attend, to adhere, to give yourself to something. So this is not just talking about they just showed up to prayer meetings. This was like a full-on dedication. I'm putting my skin in the game 100%. I'm going all the way with this thing. You guys hear me? How many of them were there for this? And, And were they there halfway? They were there all the way, right? So they were there all the way. And with one accord in prayer and supplication, one accord is talking about unity. He's talking about one heart, one mind. It doesn't mean that you have to agree on every single thing and all things, but it means that you do agree on the main things and you're agreeing on the purpose of why you're there. All right? So they were there in one accord with one heart, one mind, one purpose. Verse 15 actually says that Peter stood up and there was 120 people there. 120. And so there's 120 people that, that were obeying Jesus, praying daily until the day the Holy Spirit would come upon them, all right? And that was when he decided that they, they needed to replace Judas and they, they picked Matthias at that time. We're gonna, I wanna just point out a few things real quick that this group of people that was assembling with Jesus or that they, sorry, they continued assembling after Jesus ascended, all right? This was the forming of a church that was about to be birthed by the Holy Spirit, okay? They weren't a church yet, but, they were, but the Lord was gathering his people because he was about to come and boom, make a church, all right? So this was the disciples of Jesus. They were assembling together. They were praying together. They had unity. They had one heart, one mind, one, one purpose. They were centered around Jesus Christ and his kingdom, But there is still one thing that was needed yet to come. You guys know where we're headed, don't you? Pop over to chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Everybody say, they were all with one accord in one place. That's a lot of unity right there. How many of them were there? All. They were all there, okay? There, there wasn't anybody missing. They were all there, 120 people were present, all right? They, and they were there, They were all there, and they were, they were with one accord, so they were continuing unity, and they were all, where were they? In one place. Not scattered in different places, not phoning in, they were present in person with each other on the day that the Holy Spirit opened to heaven and gave the greatest outpouring this earth has ever seen. Come on. That's some good stuff right there. Let's keep reading. And suddenly there came the sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house. How much of the house was filled? the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one and one set upon each of them and they all began fill, they all got filled with the holy spirit everybody say filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance this was a powerful powerful encounter a corporate encounter 120 people faithfully seeking the Lord. One heart, one mind. They're they're not dipping in and dipping out. They're staying steady. They're staying the course. They're They're in the same place together. They're going after this thing. And heaven's open and the outpouring comes. They get baptized in the Holy Ghost and immediately receive gifts from the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues. Come on. When God shows up, powerful things happen. I want to tell you that that we're getting ready to read the next part where it talks about all these people that were in there celebrating from other places in the world, and they heard the noises going on in there. There is no way that thousands of people out in the city could hear people just praying inside that room. No way. That is not what they heard. They heard the power of God come upon a place. Verse 5. Actually, let let me make sure I want to hit a few points here. Pentecost, by the way, is 50 days after the resurrection, 10 days after the ascension. They were, they were seeking the Lord together. They had no clue when it was going to happen. It could have been way longer. They had no idea. But they were committed. They were devoted. They were persevering. Okay, So they were in one accord. There's unity. There, that means there's no complacency. Okay? You guys listen to me. There's no complacency. There's a lot of complacency in the church this day. There's no complacency. There is no coming without a sense of purpose. They're all there for the same outcome, okay? There's nobody coming to promote their own ministry agenda. Hear me? There are no judgments and unforgiveness between the people because there's unity. So if there was any issues, they'd already resolve them through Jesus Christ and they had peace towards one another. Whoa, these are keys to the outpouring. Hear me? There's grace of Christ towards one another. Nothing mattered to any of them except the promise that God had for all of them. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the power that would come upon them so that they could see Jesus show up in their midst everywhere they go throughout the the whole world. They were, they were together in one place. Guess what? Nobody was skipping that day. Okay? Now, I, I, know that, I know that there are legitimate reasons to not be at church sometimes, but there was nobody skipping what God was trying to call them into the assembly together with. Okay? I'm just telling you what this is telling us. There is no relying on live streaming or podcasts. I'm thankful for live streaming. I'm thankful for podcasts. They're supplements, but they're not the main course. They help us when we need it, but but that's not the main, all right? So they were gathering together regularly in person in the same location, and that is so crucial to God. I hope you guys are hearing me because I'm speaking some powerful points right now. Okay, and then, and then they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit together. And uh, let me make sure I'm on my right spot here. They were Everybody who was seeking the Lord received the same baptism that the next person got. Come on. Didn't matter whether their name made it into the book or not. They got the same baptism as the next person. Powerful. And the community gathering is so important to the move of God. Like God, every, All of us want to see the move of God, but God does it through the community
1: gathering. That's where it starts from. That's where it's taken out from. And I want to say
0: this, and I want to say, I'm going to about to bust a few thoughts here. Boldness. I might have picked this up from, from the pastor's summit this week. I don't know. But I want you to listen The community gathering is so important to the move of God and the devil knows it. The devil knows that God needs his church and he needs his people in the church to be a part of it. And and the devil is doing everything he can to stop people from being involved in the local church. You listen to me. I want you to try to... Uh-oh, I lost my note. Help me, Holy Ghost. Don't make me do what you did to Robert Riegzeker out there. Ah. <laughs> the, the devil wants to try to make you think it doesn't matter too much if you get involved in a church or not, and he'll use every way he can to try to get you to believe that. He'll make, make you get comfortable and missing church when you don't have real good reason for it, getting disconnected from the people and the mission of the church, not just coming on Sundays, but actually being a part of what heaven's trying to bring to this earth. And people, people have church hurts, leadership abuse, or church pains, or whatever, but, they, but not actually seeking the Lord to heal their hearts because we got to work through forgiveness and we got to get God to heal us where there's pains that other people may have influenced. But that's no excuse because God needs the church and he needs us in it, all right? And then when COVID hit and the government tried to tell us that the church is non-essential, what are you talking about
1: non-essential? It's the body of Jesus Christ. They're letting bars and strip clubs be essential,
0: but the church no, this is the most essential thing that exists. And then the woke culture telling us that church isn't important.
1: It's lies from Satan. all of it, from Satan And then
0: the de- deconstruction movement trying to deconstruct from, from the Bible and from truth and Christianity and, and church and our needs for church. Yeah, there are some things that need to get deconstructed, but it's not to get us out of the church or out of the word. It's to help purify it, to make us better and look more like Jesus and be more committed to one another and to the kingdom as a church. If the world tells you church is not important, that should indicate to you how more important you ever thought it was. Okay? And I want to say this, and I got it in bold and big letters. The only hope that this church, or sorry, that the world has is Jesus being revealed through His church by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. I think you guys should give a big shout of praise on that. And so the the Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit came. He distributed the gifts of the Holy Spirit so he could empower them with supernatural abilities to make them kind of like the X-Men, all right, to make us like the (laughs) X-Men, to make us like superheroes. Superheroes. But not for us to get glory, but to empower us to be able to do things that humanly we cannot do. So we can go out and do things only Jesus could do through you by the Holy Spirit, but so we can break the chains of bondage off of people and bring people into his kingdom. Come on. That's you I'm talking about. If you have the gift of tongues, let's just pray in it for like 20 seconds. It's okay if you don't have the gift, but I just want you to take notice right now. This is evidence of the Holy Spirit having already been poured out in people's lives. All right, that's enough. <laughs> All right, but God's given the power of God to us. Come on. You, you have more power in your life than you know you have. Like God means business. He means he came here to bring heaven to earth and to crush Satan everywhere that his people would go. But are we living in that reality? Because that's who we're supposed to be. Come on. When the Holy Spirit poured out on those 120 faithful ones that were diligent to show up on mission, on task, clear hearts with one another, Holy Spirit came. And, and guess what happened? He gave birth to the church. He gave birth to the ecclesia. That was the beginning of the new era.
1: Happy birthday, church. He gave us the Holy Ghost. The church was birthed on the
0: foundation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the power of God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and unity in the church with ambition to see the kingdom come and go to the ends of this earth to overtake Satan's kingdom and to bring God's blessing to this earth. Come on. There's so many things I want to say, but you guys, (laughs) it's 12. I'm not done quite yet. You're going to have to give me a few more minutes. If you have to go, go. But come on, these guys tarried. <laughs> Can you? No. All right. In the next section, after the Holy Spirit's poured out, it says that people heard them, and the multitude came together. And and uh, let's see here. People from all over the world, right? People are gathering around. They're, they're actually hearing people speaking in tongues in their own languages that there's no way they could have known. And they're calling out the oracles of God and the, the praises to the Lord. They're hearing this stuff. So they're, it's, it's true language. And it's actually pointed to God. It's his glories. And people are like, how, could, how in the world could this even be happening? And, then, and it says that uh, they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? So God's actually moving on people's hearts. like they're, they're, it's, it's drawing them in to what He's doing. And, and then there's some other ones that were mocking,
1: and they said, oh, they're just full of new wine. You better believe they were. You better believe they were. Then Peter gets up and he starts preaching. I'm
0: talking about this being thousands and thousands of people. That God drew their attention because God's moving. Do you think they were afraid of what anybody thought? Do you think that they were nervous that they might look, like, they might look ridiculous to the people out there? They didn't give a rip. Because the, because the portal of heaven was dumped upon them. Who cares when God's on you, who cares? What other, and, and, they're, and they're saying, ah, oh, ha, ha they're just drunk. And then Peter gets up and, and he says his famous words. Uh, he, you know, he, he says, These men are not drunk as you suppose. He didn't say they're not drunk, it's not the way you thought. It's by the Holy Ghost. It's by the power of God. And when his power comes upon you in fullness, like, and you yield to it, it's gonna do things to you that you're not used to doing when you're on your own. And it's more than worth it. And who cares what anybody thinks? It got their attention, yeah, but so many Christians are afraid of what everybody else is going to think if they see me make a stand for God or they see me manifesting the Holy Spirit and they did not care. It took them to not care that day for you to have a ticket to heaven today. But what about all the people out there who don't know yet and were afraid of what they think? And Peter was a coward before. On the night that Jesus was crucified, he actually denied Jesus three times because he went into fear of man. But now he got redeemed and the Holy Spirit came upon him and he had a boldness on him like he never knew before and he preached like he had never preached before and he was bold and he told them that they're all in sin and that they needed to repent and get baptized to be saved. And he also preached out of the book of of Joel. And he he said, I'm going to read this, Acts 2.17. It will come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Everybody say, "All all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Come on, how many of you guys love the prophetic gift of God. And all my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour my spirit out in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show signs and wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire, and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then they were cut to their heart. He actually goes from there and he starts actually telling the gospel
1: and even rebuked people for being sinners. Can you believe that? Come on, guys. I'm just telling you guys truth right now.
0: In verse 37, it says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And then they said, what shall we do? I want to tell you that when the Holy Spirit's on you and you preach the Gospel and the Holy Spirit tells you to speak truth in love, even if you have to call things out that people are bound up in and we're we're afraid that we're gonna offend somebody. Yeah, you're gonna offend somebody, but guess what? There's gonna be somebody else who is actually gonna unlock the chains that they've been walking in for for their entire lives. So we're, we're afraid of somebody getting offended and that fear is actually causing us to make the multitudes of the other people who are ready to get saved, they, they go unnoticed because we're afraid of a couple of people. God wants to give us a boldness to push past the fear of man and to walk in the power of God and bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the broken. Come on. That's a, it's amazing because He did this in great boldness and... And it says um, in verse 40, oh, oh he, he took it one step further. Because he sa- it says in many other words, he testified in exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Peter wasn't saying, look at that generation out there, the people out there, it's, so, it's fine. It's fine. Get saved, but you can do that too. No, he said it's Perverse. People are are under the bondage of Satan. He's trying to drag as many souls to hell as he can. Get saved from that and come into the kingdom. Get saved from this perverse generation.
1: That's bold. Somebody say that right now in this woke culture. And you're sticking your head into the eye of the hurricane. Peter didn't care
0: about somebody's feelings. He cared about their eternal soul. Of course, we're supposed to do this in love. I'm not trying to say that we want to become judgmental. I'm just saying we need to have the power of God in our lives, and we need to see that this world needs Jesus, and we got to be the answer to that problem. You hear me? And it says in verse 41... Then those who gladly received his word. Whoa, you mean he just said all that and there's people who gladly received what he said? Yep, guess what? There actually are people who are hungry for Jesus and don't even know it yet. But when they hear it, they're going to know it. And then they will gladly receive it. There will be the naysayers, yes. And they're, they're often louder than anybody else, but we can't let them stop us. Jesus knows the ones who are hungry for him, and he'll reach them if we will give it to him. It says they gladly received his word, and they were baptized. Come on, they didn't just get saved, but they actually went all the way with this, making a public declaration like we did last Sunday. World, I want you to know I've said bye to you. I'm stepping away from this perverse generation, and I'm going all the way with Jesus. Come on. And it says 3,000 souls were added to them that day. 3,000 souls. That church had some pretty good growth strategies.
1: And one day it went from 120 to 3,120. 3, pretty amazing. And, and the rest of that passage is powerful, but
0: I'll save it for another time. But but I want to just say I'll, I'll get down to the last verse, verse forty-seven, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. Everybody say to the church, to the church. daily yeah. those who are being saved. He added. Who did he add to? This group of of people who like to hang out together and pray and worship? No, the church. He added to the church. The ecclesia. Not, not prayer groups and side ministries, those are important, but, but the church. You guys hear me? There's only two times before this where the ch- word church is mentioned in the New Testament, and it was Jesus prophesying about something that was yet to come. This is the first time that the word church is actually an existing thing now. It was born on the day of Pentecost. Happy birthday! Come on. So on, on Pentecost was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. On Pentecost was the birth of the church. And and you might be wondering why did I talk about Robert Reeksicker and then I'm talking about all this? Well, I'm glad you asked because I got to bring this stuff together. I want to I want to remind you of Robert's heavenly encounter, and and he's he's encountering God's presence. He's seeing heaven. In real version, right? he's there, and his brother says, "I want to show you Jesus and and then and then the next thing he knows he's right there in the mud, in the dark with over 200 people, and then God moves, over hundred people get saved, and a church is birthed to God that was that was God revealing Jesus to Robert. <laughs> It's the body of Christ. Say that with me. It's the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ.
1: And so when God reveals the church, he's revealing Jesus. If we
0: could see Jesus in his body... Sorry, if you can see Jesus in his body, I'm talking about the church, that's as real to God as if you went to heaven and saw Jesus in heaven. That's why instead of Robert seeing Jesus as Jesus, he let him see Jesus as his body. That was God's choice. I want to show you Jesus the way I need you to know that Jesus needs to be revealed in his body, the church. The church was born in Africa that day. On Pentecost, the church, the church was born and it's revealing Jesus Christ and Jesus wants to be revealed through his church. But so many people have so many offenses towards the church and they can't see Jesus in it and that's everything he wants to do is to show you Jesus in his church. Pentecost is about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but it's also about the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the the ecclesia church. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she got pregnant with Jesus and gave birth to Jesus in the flesh. Right? On Pentecost... The Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 people and Jesus came into
1: the uniting of human flesh, his body. God wants to upgrade our belief system and
0: care and value for his church. And this is crucial for what God wants to do in this world.
1: How are you guys doing right now? Jesus is revealed in his church. We are
0: the body of Christ. He wants to upgrade our belief in ourselves as his church. I'm Starting a series on the ecclesia. And you guys better come. <laughs> I'm, I mean, if you go to another church, go to your church. Maybe, maybe listen to the podcast as a supplement, right? To what you're getting in your church. But 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 this isn't just about overflow church. It's about the bride of Christ. It's about the body of Christ. And I want to do a series on God's version of the church because we have our version of the church. And let me tell you, it measures about right here compared to what God thinks about it. Like I can't reach up into the clouds. But like we have a pretty poor view of what the church is compared to what God thinks. And I want to tell you the more we understand who we are as a church to God... And then we become that to ourselves. We're going to live from that place because you behave according to who you believe that you are. And that's why the church has sucked for so long. I'm telling you the truth. People don't get it, but God wants to show us. He wants to upgrade our belief systems because we are going to be walking in power in the world. The creation of the world is looking for the sons of God to be revealed but we need to be revealed to ourselves first. We need to be revealed to ourselves individually as sons of God, daughters of God, but collectively as the church, we've got to find out who we are so we can start living it and loving each other in that way. And then the power of God's going to flow through us and we're going to see the tide shift in this nation and in this world. Because it's coming through the church, I'm telling you. It's not going to come through politics Presidents, any of that. Like, we bless that, and that's important. But the church is what's going to make the difference. And we will see revival. We will see the outpouring. We will see, um, we'll see a, a, a great awakening, I believe it, if, if we step in to who we are.
1: We're the body of Jesus Christ. Do not belittle Jesus' body. It's Jesus. The Holy Ghost, come on. The Holy Ghost,
0: hallelujah. For the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's here today. My best friend is in the room, he's right here, and he's excited. And he wants to give out fresh baptisms in the Holy Spirit. And there are some people in this room who you may have never been baptized in the Holy Spirit before, but today's Pentecost. And if you miss it today, guess what? Every week is Pentecost. Because it's not going to happen again. It happened once and it's still happening. <laughs> oh, man. I read somebody somebody posted this thing on Facebook, and I don't know if I'm going to say it just right, but he said people are pr- are waiting for God to show up, and he said, but God, He's He's already coming, and He's still He just keeps coming. It, like like He like He opened Pentecost two thousand years ago, and we got to get in it. So here's what we're going to do. Want you guys stand. Some people are like, why do you guys keep laying hands on people? <laughs> oh, because the Bible says too. <clears throat> All right. I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna dismiss if you have to get going. I know for some people today's memorial weekend. <laughs> I do forget that. Uh, I honor your families too. <laughs> if you have to go to family things, I bless that. Lord, I ask you to open the heavens on family get-togethers this weekend too. Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pray, and then you guys can be dismissed. But we're gonna invite anybody who wants to come up here just to first to pray for a <clears throat> a new or fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm just gonna trust that the Holy Spirit's gonna move. And uh, yeah, so why don't you guys? If you're up for this, if you if you don't like this, just gently tell somebody next to you not, that you don't want to,
1: but let, put your hands on each other's shoulders. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. Yeah, put your hands... All right. <laughs> uh, Holy Spirit,
0: I thank you, Lord, that you are here. I thank you that you still baptize people in the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you are the same Spirit here today that was right in there in the upper room. Lord, you haven't got tired yet. (laughs) You're not going to give us a worn out version of a baptism. (laughs) I I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll flow right now. By the way, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you read the whole book of Acts, they got baptized, and then they got baptized again, then they got baptized again. So we just live in it. So you don't have to like, just be like, oh, I got it, got my, I got my trophy. No, keep getting it. Lord, pour out. I, I want to just invite you to just start releasing the Holy Spirit on each other, Just start receiving the Holy Spirit, and let Him flow in here right now. Just flow, Holy Spirit, right now and just wash over every person in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that You will burn the fire in their hearts and and help us, Lord, to capture a greater revelation of how You perceive Your church. Lord, that You'll upgrade our belief systems on Your church. Be able to see it from heaven's perspective. Holy Spirit, let the fire flow right now. Fall on people in Jesus' name. Just receive it. Just take a moment and receive it.